The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Bet with Tote and support racing in the UK and Ireland. Thank you, Kira, as we edge ever closer to the race that stops all nations. Yeah, that's right, Australia. We're coming for you. That beef that we've got with you, it's escalating. Race that stops a nation. The Grand National, will have you know, stops all nations. England, the Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland, France, Spain. You, Australia, you yourselves, Dubai, America, everywhere just stops to see who is going to be crowned the King of Aintree. And we're edging closer to it. Uh, The Grand National Day Saturday podcast is going to feature Andrew Blair-White and Rory DeLarge. So Rory will be here with his final answers as we go through the card. Uh, But once again, for day two, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by the Queen of the Toast, Tallulah. I'm really sorry. You're really the Queen of the Toast. Kate... Kate Tracy, the superb Kate Tracy, and also the brilliant Paul Ferguson, who has written uh, the brilliant Jumpers to Follow with the Weatherbees, also the fantastic Cheltenham Festival betting guide, which also featured the Aintree Festival betting guide. If you didn't buy the Cheltenham one, they're giving away the Aintree portion of that for free. Free 99 for all of Paul Ferguson's incredible work. And it's detailed, and there is some great stuff there. Uh, just head to at BetTrends on Twitter uh, for more information. You'll get coverage of the not just the Grand National, but all three days of injury. Uh, or you can head to weatherbees.co.uk as well and uh, pick yourself up a free copy of Paul Ferguson's work on uh, the Grand National for 2021. But let's get started with day two. Uh, We're going to skip the first race, which is a handicap, because handicaps are bookending the card. And uh, Paul, I think, has got some gravy for us there. So let's keep that till the end. So we'll start with the Betway Top Novices Hurdle Grade 1. So we've got Dusart towards the top of the building for one of the big four. Uh, Nicky Henderson, Harry Skelton with third time lucky, who did us a massive favor. Thank you very much, Paul Ferguson, napping the horse on our Christmas special when uh, we could get much bigger than 11 to 10. Uh, You did us a massive favor. It was also well noted that that horse was backed into 11 to 10 on the back of the Final Furlong Podcast release and uh, your confidence. So hat tip, sir. Paul, what do you make of this race and its shape? Uh, Slightly substandard, I would say. Um, Mm. But I think think we touched on the Cheltenham race. I think there was potentially... Slightly um, weak novice hurdle division, maybe this year. Um, certainly in England, um, usually the horses who finish placed or thereabouts will come on from the Supreme will come onto this race. The one this year is for pleasure, who a lot of people seem to think will suit Aintree to be in a flat track. But as I said earlier, I don't, I don't really like front runners over hurdles at Aintree because I think they can kind of set it up for the finishes, uh, which might well happen here. I think there's, there'll be a good bit of pace on. Um, for pleasure, do your job, both like to get on with it. So I think they'll um, set the fractions and it'll be a true test, but I think it'll set things up. I think the race will be set up perfectly for third time. Look, actually, um, rather like the Kempton race. Um, and I don't think he quite got up the hill. He come there travelling behind Belfast Banter in the county um, and he's got a big swing at the weights. So I think he can turn that round. But the, the one thing that concerns me about the entire lucky is that he's already had six runs this season. Mm. Um, and again, as we were saying earlier, like it's just a case of well, obviously for pleasure beat him at Cheltenham in the at the November meeting in the shit grade too sharp and obviously it'll win. I think he was just given a little bit too much rope. So I think Harry Skelton will be um wary of doing something similar this time. So he won't sit so far back off the pace. His defeat at Musselburgh, uh, I think was the ground was against him and the slow pace was against him. And he made a fairly serious error when he was probably beaten at the time behind Bearback Jack at the final flight. But he came back to form at Cheltenham and he just it just stretched him that two mile one um, on the new course. And say so he come there travelling strongly. Um I think Everton's in place for him. It's just the question for me is whether whether he he's got over that because he say he's had the six runs now and that was probably a hard enough race at, at Cheltenham. Um Ajero, would be, it was another one of my horses to follow for the season. He's won four on the spin now, but 
the question within is can it can he replicate his form reverting to a left-handed track all of his form is on a right-handed track he was a bit of a tear away earlier in the season he's settled down a bit now and he's he certainly um, appears to be a more controllable rider he's won a couple of handicaps of late so again he just needs to step up to the plate as well as showing he can do it on a left-handed track so um, although he's favourite I think do start if, if there's a genuine Again, if there's a genuine top-notch performer in this field, I think it's Dussart. Uh, we've only seen him the once. It, it's it's probably asking a lot to win a Grade One on the back of what how long has he been off since the start of November? Five months off. 154 um, days by the looks, time the race goes off. Yeah, he just looks so good at Newbury. That was his. You know, he was receiving weight from Sword and Glory. He probably didn't advertise the form in the Supreme, but I think I don't think he ran to form having been trained with the Beffer hurdle in mind. Um, and just to be able to do that to him, despite getting the weight, he'd never had any race course experience. Um, to be able to beat a decent field um, that day on debut just suggested to me that he, he's got the ability to match his pedigree. Obviously, he's a half-brother to Simon Sig. If you look back at the new reform, Amarillo Sky in fourth has one handicap since and is now rated 128. Uh, no risk to flow has won twice. There's dirty dead heat at the fourth and has rated 129. So, Kind of suggest he's won, won twice since Foley Murphy. Kind of suggests that he, he almost ran to a mark high 130s, 140 on his race course debut, which is um, pretty potentially something special. If Nicky's got him um, in the place he wants him to be, which I'm sure he wouldn't be running if he, if he wasn't happy with him, because um, he could have waited for air. I know Ronnie Bartle likes to have runners at air, and I thought Pudge's time might have been more on his agenda because course they have it in Ireland they have those winners of one hurdle races so there would have been mm. more options for him there rather than having to go into a great one um, but the fact that he is pitched straight in I think shows you the regard in which he's held I know last week or the week before when we had the review show the festival we were talking about the novice chases he's one I'd be looking forward to down the Arkel route um, of the British trained horses for next season and as I say although it's a big ask on just his second start he might just have the class and might be up to the task. Can I ask you about the record of four-year-olds in this race? And you know where I'm going with this. Uh, Hoogery. Mm-hmm. Is that where you're going with it? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Paul Nichols won it with, with Pierre Lunaire, if I remember rightly, a few years ago when we beat Captain CB, disappointed after he'd won the Supreme and tried to follow up. I think... Uh, this is off the top of my head I think at the time it was still a grade two then and Captain CB was pulled up carrying a penalty um, I might be wrong but um, Paul Nichols has done it before I think the tight track will suit Hugo because he travelled really well he was a bit keen in the boodles and I think conditions say so I think there's plenty of pace on um, and I think conditions of the, tra- the, the configuration of the track and the, the ground and everything will be in his favour so I wouldn't be at all surprised despite the fact that on official ratings, he looks up against it. But um, yeah, I could see him going well. And another thing I've taken from this race is I was, you know, you probably shouldn't look ahead to next weekend, but uh, the Scottish <laughs> Champion Hurdle. Uh, if you look at the mark of the Scottish Champion Hurdle, I'm quite keen on Milkwood, who came onto the county as well. Uh, Boats runs tomorrow. Hoogery runs on Friday. Sword and Glory doesn't run again. He's finished for the season. John Joe told me when I was there last week. Kajero runs tomorrow. There's, um, there's four out of the top six in the bet and gone. So, Milkwood's still 10 to 1. Um, I'd suggest that's a fair price at the minute and could see him if he's targeted the race going off half those odds next week. Stop everything. Stop everything. All right. Caution. All right. Get to your phone, your tablet, whatever it is you're doing, and have a bet on the Scottish champion hurdle and destroy the bookies leave those arts compilers in tears who are we backing again for the air Scottish champion hurdle Milkwood I was kind of hoping you were going to like really come in there with Milkwood sorry do you want to do that again you can do it again my man I, I don't know I don't know if that's in me do I I just don't know if that's in me do I have my dulcet tones I'm afraid go, go like a go like a pro wrestler I can't even do it without laughing I'm going to make myself laugh with that voice you make him that's even better go <laughs> Milkwood. Oh, how many takes did it did it take, Kate, for uh, Paul to get that out? Milkwood. <laughs> so I'm often told I need to be a bit more enthusiastic. 
It's just not how you roll. I mean, we wouldn't expect that of you at all. But we're definitely going to keep that as a highlight. Uh, yeah, I really like Hugri. And the, the reason I like him is, Paul, you were highlighting him from France at the start of the season that you really liked how he'd shaped there and, and his form. The more I look at his Cheltenham run, the more I think he actually ran a blinder. Yeah, I like the way he travelled the chips though as well. And the, I think the fact, the fact that Paul Nichols was prepared to pitch him straight into a grade one mm. um, suggests that he'd been shown up well. And then I think when he seen his handicap marker 128, I thought it was uh, quite significant then that he held him back um, for the Fred Winter. Again, that, that form was obviously advertised at the weekend with Jeff Kidder winning again. So yeah. um, he was just a bit he was just a bit too keen, wasn't he, at Cheltenham? Um, um, I thought it was a pro- really promising run. I say I think conditions will suit him if the pace is strong. Again, it could be a race where horses come off the pace and then pick up some of the pieces for the place money. So I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him hit the frame. I'm with Hoogery here at uh, a double figure price. Kate Tracy. Yeah, I found this race so tricky um, Mm -hmm. to assess. I really wasn't very keen on it, to be honest. And completely echo Paul's sentiments there about the novice hurdle division and that we were talking about it for Cheltenham and then so you know sort of let alone then when we come to Aintree that it may be diluted again and I think that's exactly what we've got here so instead I've gone for two each way plays in this race because I just was struggling with it really so for all that I am keen to see Dusart and what further progress he's made from his sole start but this is obviously a big ask for him to win a grade one on his second never career start here for all that he did impress on that debut start as you both said where he overturned Soaring Glory as a five to six favourite, who evidently, as we know, went on to win the Betfair hurdle. And he clearly won't be phased by the better ground here, despite being a son of Fleming's birth. And we know he's bred to be winning grade ones because, as Paul said, he's a half brother to Simon Sig, as well as Drumcliffe, you know, just the name two winners. But I just don't fancy siding with him here at the prices, for all that I am very keen to see how he's going to go and and yeah, he could well be the class angle in this race. So with the 10 declared runners, I want to be taking two against the field here. The first of which going to go with the county hurdle winner with Belfast Banter, who was given the six-round rise for the county hurdle, which is their connections to Chansom in grade one novice company now. And bringing a form line like the county hurdle back into novice company always gives you that edge, I think, because he's experienced proper hustle and bustle racing now. He's got plenty of experience to his name to be putting to good use in this lineup, especially when you've got a horse having a second career start at the head of the market. And the second favourite uh, he beat last time out was third time lucky, finishing sixth in the county hurdle behind Belfast Banter with third time lucky. Admittedly, happy to give Belfast Banter a stone, whereas here they're evidently off of level weight. So, Belfast Banter would have to take another significant step up again. And he is clearly fairly exposed by now for all that he remains obviously in novice company here, but he's still a decent price to be chancing each way as the first one. And the second one is just behind him in the market actually is for pleasure. And we last saw him finishing an admittedly a lucky third in the Supreme behind appreciate it. But this lad, he has one way of going about his business. So I doubt if we'll see a change of tactics here, but, for all, he's a keen going tear away. He has got a very high level of ability to back it up. And we saw that when he overturned third time lucky in the grade two Supreme trial at Cheltenham in mid-November, where he ran out an impressive winner after just basically running away for most of the race and then extending his advantage and not getting caught. So he has got his quirks, but if this I can get on the front end of a pace here, which is what I'm fully expecting him to do, better grounded entry, then I think he could take a serious amount of pegging back. And considering the hard races, a lot of these horses are coming into this race on the back of, they may not be making up that deficit. So I think he'll at least hang on to a place here if he does get run down late on. And given his current price, then that is enough to be warranting siding with for pleasure each way. And that current price is 10 to 1 for Kate Tracy. As we move to the 250, um, we see Cheltenham Festival winner Chantry House back in action uh, for one of the big four. <clears throat> I'm making this a thing. Uh, Nicky Anderson, Nico de Boinville, and uh, the green and gold of Frankie Tightlips. I mean, JP McManus, of course, obviously. Obviously, it's JP. Uh, 13 to 8, 7 to 4 is the general price there. Uh, then, Esbord de Rumi is a 11 to 2. What came over me? Uh, written by uh, David Bass and uh, trained by Kim Bailey. Fiddler on the roof for Colin Tizard. Uh, you would like to see him 
end his training career with a winner, but Jesus, the form of the stable really needs to improve. Uh, 13 to 2 is the best price you can get about him. Generally, sixes, the big breakaway again for Colin Tizard, 15 to 2. I'd love to see him run well. Uh, and Sporting John, uh, who's a horse I was a very, very big fan of, and that may have to change. Uh, 12s, although I might give him one more chance here. Uh, Shan Blue, we should mention as well as sixes. Uh, Kate. Mm, yeah, very interesting. And really keen to see Chantry House here. I think he's going to take all the beating because the kissing spine operation clearly worked the oracle on this lad because... Don't they always? With, oh, I know, it's a given, isn't it? Because uh, we got to see him with every bit of ability. We hoped he still possessed in the marsh. And he is a funny horse because he almost fits the sort of Vishishkin or way of travelling through his races as well because he's a very laid-back horse who hits a bit of a flat spot in his races before picking up and finishing strongly. And that's exactly what he did in the marsh as well when Chamblou lifted the pace. He just had to be cajoled back into the bridle by Nico de Boinville before showing real guts to battle with his stable mate up the hill and extended the advantage near the line. So I think that that was a true reflection of this horse's abilities. And for all, I think that two mile four is his optimal trip for now. So it was a novice chaser. But around Aintree, on this better ground, I don't think he should have any issue with getting this extra distance to three mile one. And especially as he's always been a horse that Nicky Henderson has talked about as being the horse who will be stepping up in trip in time. And the way he went through the marsh, how he ran through the line, you'd have to have every confidence about him getting this extra distance. So he's an improved horse with his jumping now too. And he really does set a high standard for the others to come and meet. So yeah, definitely Chantry House to be taking all the beating here for all the Espada Rome. I mean, he is going to be you know, a, a horse who, who will clearly hold his own in this type of race in, in grade one company because Kiran actually won on him on his chasing debut at Huntingdon. Oh. And he said to him, yeah, and he said after, he just said, you know, that is a proper horse. He is graded, graded caliber horse, definitely. And for all that he was overturned by Royal Pagai, fair enough, at Haydock then in an officer's chase after giving him five pound. But then last time out was able to come and... Uh, and, uh, and get back to winning ways again, just by eight to 11 favoritism, overturning some likable types, but definitely have their limited types. Uh, but he easily beat them. He's a lovely jumper. And uh, I really, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do in this company because I've, he's more than capable of holding his own. But obviously the market hasn't missed on that basis. So yeah, just going to stick with Chantry House to keep it simple. By the way, can I just make a uh, public service announcement? Clear uh, <coughs> the throat there. <coughs> uh, this is a public service announcement on behalf of the Final Forum podcast. Kieran Gethings will be riding at Aintree on Saturday, and if you happen to be looking for a jockey for the big race, the Grand National, I don't know, maybe your main jockey, Paul Townend, for example, is currently uh, a serious injury worry, and you're trying to figure out, who can I guess to step in and take the reins on the former Irish Grand National winner, Burrow Saint? Well, Kieran Gethings is available at the right price, and... Uh, 50% of course goes to Kate and uh, 50% <laughs> goes to me. So Kieran will be riding for free, technically speaking, but uh, uh, not for you, but we'll do a good deal with you. And uh, after, he's won on, after he's won on Hometown Boy in the grade three, uh, the opening race at Aintree, you'll be saying to yourself, damn, why didn't I book that? Kieran Gethings, who's won £1.2 million in prize money in the last five seasons in British jumps racing. Kieran Gethings, available now for the Grand National at the late, late price of €5,000. Two and a half grand for you, Kate, two and a half grand for me. that okay? Yeah, grand? Okay. Deal. Great, perfect Deal, stuff. Uh, Kieran's great. Uh, we're trying to get him on the show, and um, he's basically too shy. Based, that sums it up, Kate, yeah? Yeah, it yeah. literally does. He's yeah, too shy, he's okay. Uh, I'm with you on Chantry House. Uh, I would love to see Sporting John run a big race here. Um, really more of a confidence booster, but Nicky Henderson's comments directly after Cheltenham, Paul, were stepping up to three miles is the next aim with this horse. This is what we want to do with him. And um, it's going to be all about three miles for him going forward. So this is going to be a fascinating test because... 
he could very well develop into a Gold Cup contender next season. He could, yeah. I've, I've been wanting to see him over three miles earlier in the season, to be honest. I thought was, even as early as his debut at Ascot, he looked like he needed to go up and trip, I thought. And then, mm-hmm. um, obviously, as Kate said, he's come back from injury, won at Weatherby. He's got plenty of form on um, flat left-handed tracks. So I think, I think the course will be fine for him. And I thought Stamina won the day in the marsh, to be honest, because um, obviously when Shan Blue sort of set the race alight down the back straight, it ended up being a, a real test at two and a half miles on the new course. So, uh yeah, I keep it simple myself, and um, I think he's very much the one to beat. I did I didn't expect him to be as short as he is, I must say. So, again, like we've touched on, I would, I would hope that he'll be he'd be a bigger price on Friday morning. I didn't think he'd be as short as thirteen to eight, seven to four in this field. I think there's a bit of depth to the field. I think it's quite a strong novice chase, but um, I do think he's the most likely winner. Yeah, uh, touching I, upon Espor de Rome uh, and and the basic issue of. British handicap and I think I think this is another good example. You see, he's won a, a what a five runner, I think it was at Leicester mm-hmm. five runner novice handicap sorry, a handicap chase of 140 and has now raced 155 versus Shantry House, only four pounds ahead of him. I haven't won won the grade one and finishing third in the Supreme year before. It's just it's just as if he hasn't had a chance to explore the handicap route more. Obviously, I think the fact that he chased the home royal, the guy probably wasn't missed and was maybe factored into that that rise last time. But I think this this horse would have been one who would have been aimed at a handicap at the festival, but he had another third run in time mm. to, before the entries came out. So it kind of forced Kim Bailey's hand that he had to go to Leicester rather than even even the consolation race that he could have gone for. Sorry, not the consolation race, the race that replaced the um, novice handicap, which moved to Sandown. He, he, he wasn't allowed to run that race because he'd only had the two starts um, so again that's probably something for another day but that kind of thing is something where horses of his ability probably need a bit of a helping hand as they step up the ladder totally there was a brilliant article written by Richie Forrestal which the, the headline is I know not everybody subscribes to the Racing Post and, and that's fine but Festival Mauling the consequence of British Racing's shocking race to the bottom with the subheadline, British Racing's levy policy turns on as many fixtures and races as can be accommodated and populated, otherwise known as a race to the bottom. He also talks about the handicapping system as well. It's a brilliant article from Richie um, because it, it obviously puts the Irish perspective on things, but from looking at what's going on in Britain and the handicapping system is just a, it just seems to be an absolute joke. And um, it, there's a lot of reform that's required there and hopefully we'll be talking to somebody uh, who can tell us about that but that will be a, a special Final Forum podcast and it'll be in a few weeks time so stay tuned anyway we're all in agreement Chantry House bolts up and uh, back in for the Gold Cup next season the Marsh Chase also known as the Melling Chase which is what it should also always be known as sees Plitolog as your favourite at 11-4 to four. Fakir Dudari. Three to one, Master Tommy Tucker. I'll take a bit of that, thank you. Eleven to two, fives, uh, Dashel Drasher, six to one, uh, and Notebook, who I'd also be interested in, uh, is a sevens shot. Uh, Paul, your thoughts on the Marsh? Sorry, I've done it myself. The Melling Chase. Correct, the Melling Chase. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a real strong opinion, to be honest. Again, possibly not the strongest renewal. Um, I saw Fakir do the run respectably well in second, um, albeit beaten at a fair distance behind Alaho. I can see him going well, but um, he's priced up accordingly. Uh, Dassel Drasher, I just, just think maybe some of his better form, certainly over fences, has been on a, um, a little bit softer ground. So um, just towards the top of the market, not particularly strong on earth. And I, I'd have a swing at notebook each way, to be honest, taking a chance that he settles, which he will need to do as he goes up and trip. But I actually think the track at Angel Stoop notebook, I think a flat left-handed track is, you know, he does shift slightly to his right occasionally, but we've seen at Leopardstown. Um, I just could see him getting to a nice rhythm. I watched his point-to-points back this morning as well to see if I could get gauge any indication that he'll stay a bit further, but he was he was still quite keen through those three races he run um, between the flags, so... Uh, I think it's a case of you guys going to have to take your chance. But at 7-1, to one, um, I'd probably be 
prepared to take a chance on him each way, to be honest, because he's been mixing it, obviously, with Shaq and Porsoir and put the kettle on most of the season. He probably ran better than his finishing position suggests at Cheltenham in the champion chase as well. He was there till the foot of the hill. That's three times he's been to Cheltenham now and he hasn't really um, acted or performed up to the level we've seen from him in Ireland. So whether it's traveling or the track, say at the prices, if it was for top of bet, I'd take a chance that it was the track at Cheltenham and back on a flatter track at Aintree. You might just get into a rhythm. And um, perhaps, I, th- I do think the good grounds are key to him as well, actually. So I think there's a chance of unlocking a bit more improvement there. And um, I'll take a chance on him not to step up and triple help. How is his notebook sevens and Fakir Duduri threes? When notebook... I think the, the pro- Fakir's proven ability to last the trip possibly would be would be the factor in there. But as I say, that's purely a price related and a, and a speculative um, nomination from me. I wouldn't have a strong opinion on the race to be honest. No, I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I'm more on Master Tommy Tucker's side, but um, and I think he's very much got his act together this season. Uh, and there's no disgrace at all. I mean, we can buy Dashiell Rasher and. Um, things just were a little bit too hot for him, I think, uh, at Cheltenham, but this isn't a big field and it should suit him. So it's Master Tommy Tucker for me. Uh, Kate, for you? Yeah, it is open, this race, I think. And I was also trying to look at least a bit further down the market as well. And it is going to be with my old pal, Dashiell Drasher. And yes, I'm aware that Dashiell Drasher will be going left-handed here, but I just think that, yet again, this horse is being overlooked in the market here because... He's a seriously talented horse. There's been no fluke about his success this season at all. And his mark of 162, which put him on the same as Fakir Dudery, uh, £2 higher than Master Tommy Tucker, £6 off of Politolog, will tell you that itself, that he's more than, hopefully, on Fisher Ratings hold his own in this company. And I've talked about this horse a lot this season. And considering sort of, you know, that he's coming into this race without some of the same questions to have to answer some of his some of his rivals here. And he has been so well trained and ridden all this season by the Jeremy Scott team and Matt Griffiths because he's not a straightforward horse. He is very keen. He used to have an almighty step in him, but he's coming into this race seeking a four-timer, following those three wins over Ascot's two mile five trip, which resulted in him taking the Ascot chase last time out with Master Tommy Tucker, not able to lay a glove back in second, having a change of tactics for Master Tommy Tucker that saw him jump much better. So he actually didn't have any form of hard luck story behind Dasher Drasher, I didn't think. And the fact that Dasher Drasher broke surname within about four strides tells you all you need to know about the intensity in which this horse races. And I'm not concerned about him going left-handed because he actually jumps off to his left and wins despite this at Ascot, I think. And he was—he already has winning form at Haydock, Cheltenham, Newbury and Chepstow. So he's won five times going right-handed, four times going left-handed in his career. So I don't have any worries about him here. And for me, he's just too big a price looking at him against this lineup and again, just slightly overlooked for all that he has contracted since I last looked at him. So I'll give Dasha Drasher a chance here. Okay, uh, this brings us then on to the Topham, which can sometimes be an absolute lottery of a race, but uh, I've got it handled for you. Uh, Vizio Man wins. Go on, Rachel Blackmore. Uh, four from nine over fences and uh, just happens to be owned by the uh, entry director. <clears throat> no, listen, it's, you know what people are going to say if this horse wins? It's like, oh, of course, oh, yeah, look at racing. It's just... I think this horse has got a serious chance. And, uh, oh, crap, is contracting in price and is not the price that I thought was going to be. Oh, bollocks. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll try and get the 8-1 to one while um, Paul Ferguson gives us his selection for the race. I was keen on fire class. I'm a bit disappointed they've gone for the national with him, to be honest. I'm not sure he'll <laughs> stay the national trip. I was quite keen on him here. Um, when I look at the top, I'm, I t- tend to try and look for a horse that I think will be suited by... Um, the makeup of the race, as I've said before, tends to race up at the pace and I think might take to the fences. Um, so there's a couple of, for the shortlist there. I thought Caribbean Boy um, looked like a horse going back on better ground if they revert to front running tactics or prominently ridden tactics. He was held up at Cheltenham and I'm pretty sure they will. Um, I think he'll be ridden positively. There was positive comments from Nicky Henderson in the week about how he'd taken to the uh, national fences in Lambourne. 
Um, I could see him going well under Daryl Jacob. Uh, Dun Vegan was the other one I like his running style for the race. He's, he's a bit of a chancy jumper, so um, he'll need obviously to get his act together in that respect. But he was running over a trip a little bit sharper than ideal, I thought, last time. So I think going up two two five thereabouts, I think, is optimum conditions and he does like to be ridden from the front um, so I can see him going well at a decent price and um, one I would actually put up as having a massive swing at a big price would be Glenn Forza I know he hasn't shown an awful lot of late but if ever there was a horse that looked made for this kind of race it was Glenn Forza during his novice chase campaign um, when he just jumped for fun and he won Jesus so Christ he's he 50s he won a he won a Kempton over Christmas, um, and then of course he beat Kalashnikov in uh, the Kingmaker that was rerouted to Sandown that year. He hasn't shown an awful lot since he finished third in the Newbury handicap, but behind Old Granger then again Kalashnikov, which was a really strong race um, some eighteen months ago. Uh, but just in the hope that this is a second start since he's had a wind off, um, he ran over a trip. I thought too short for him in behind Sky Pirates Cheltenham. Um, in the glimmer of hope that the, the defences spark him back into old life, which they can do at the entry fence, they can bring about some improvements. I just, just think, I say, going back two years, if you if you'd have given me a horse to nominate down the line to run in the top and, and take to the fences, it probably would have been Glenn Forza. So uh, at fifty to one. Um, they'll certainly be worth worse 50 to 1 shots running this week damn uh, we got to give a, a mention to Cardo Rico you're very much of the mindset though that you want to be with a horse that's going to be up with the pace yeah yeah definitely and, and certainly the way the ground will be this week I don't think I think if you get a bold um, jumper who's ridden handily I don't think they'll stop Okay, so essentially, Sean Bone, you need to uh, abandon the held-up tactics and just get out there and go. Go, son. Uh, he's already been well-backed, and that is the final for the podcast army because Rory said, well, I don't like Cotto Rico for the Grand National, and the race for him is the top, and he'll win it if he runs, uh, which was a very, very strong thing to say. Uh, you can hear that full view uh, of Rory DeLarge and uh, Matt Toombs in our Grand National Anti-Post special, which is available now on all podcast apps. Uh, who are you backing, Kay Tracy? I didn't even know that, that Rory had said that uh, about Corso Rico. And I thought that selecting him here as one of my two each way angles was just channeling my inner Delagi. So I must have, <laughs> I must have somehow, yeah, telepathically tuned into that because he is one of my two. And, you know, I wanted to go for two at bigger prices here because, you know, what better race we chancing them in than the top of them? And, uh, yeah, so Rory's friend Corso Rico is also one I wanted to side with. I promise, did not realise. Because um, if I'd, oh yeah, you didn't listen horse. to the show at all, not no. at all, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, Costa Rica regularly contests these types of big field, big prize handicaps, and is usually overlooked in the betting. However, he tends to outrun his odds on these occasions, and will likely give you a run for your money at least. And Costa Rico, for all that he is a ten-year-old, he's fairly likely raced for his age with the twenty-one career starts, thirteen chase starts, and. We last saw him mid-November finishing fourth at 50 to 1 in the Paddy Power Gold Cup behind Paul Cody. So he's running here off of the same mark of 142. He's had a break from the track. Why that is, I don't know, but you wouldn't be surprised if there was, you know, a little issue there, considering how lightly race he is for his age, as I said. But he can clearly go well fresh, as he did in the Paddy Power Gold Cup, which had been that sole start this season. He's a solid jumper as well to Twood, and with Brian Hughes booked to ride which should make him very interesting at... Oh, no, he was booked to ride. No, Sean Bourne. Uh, Sean Bourne. Oh, yeah, of course, as we were saying, he's switched over, hasn't mm. he now? He's just, yeah, gone to Sedgefield now. Sedgefield? Sedgefield, yep. Yeah, sorry, yeah, so Sean Bourne. But right, no, Sedgefield. No, 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 no. Is it, is, it, is it Taunton he's gone to? Oh, no, sorry, he went to Sedgefield and said... It, I don't know where he's going. Wait, wait, um, hang on a second. You're right, Sedgefield, you're right. Yeah. You're right, right. Yeah, so with Sean Bowen, hopefully he'll ride him more prominently than this horse is usually ridden uh, on that basis. But everything can change when they get into the top of him, at least anyway. So, yeah, with the extra places I'm sure you'll be getting, then he looks definitely one to be siding with. And the other one, who actually isn't as big a price as him now, he was early and he's been backed himself, is Huntsman's son. 
who is into the veteran stage of his career as well as an 11-year-old. But again, he remains very lightly raced. Just a 16, Chris starts his name and just the nine, Chase starts. And we last saw him way outrunning his price at 40 to 1 to finish sixth in the Paddy Power, handicap chase behind the shunter at the festival. And in doing so, he did the best of those who were ridden out back. So again, hopefully a bit of a change of tactics. But he's running here for the Alex Hales team. They've had a cracking season, not just in terms of winners, but with the horses uh, outrunning their prices, which is exactly what this ad did. And he's been given a £2 rise back by, uh, sorry, £2 back by the handicapper for that run, which sees him nicely treated here, carrying 11 stone. And the fact he's managed to win around Newbury and Weatherby, as well as running well around Wincanton and Doncaster, would give you every confidence that his jumping should be assured. Again, touch wood, as long, uh, well, as assured as it can be taking on these fences. I like it. As we move along to the 440, uh, which is essentially the last race, but it's not really because Matt's. Uh, it's not really because uh, Paul Ferguson's got, he's got some gravy lined up for us. Uh, the gravy is cooking. It's uh, it's boiling away nicely and it's coming. Um, I think we already have it, but uh, there's some more gravy coming. Uh, however, as we look at the uh, 440, which is the Doombar Sefton Novices Hurdle, we've got uh, Cheltenham Foreman offer in the, in the shape of Brave Man's Game who hmm uh, a 12 length defeat to Bob Ollinger over hurdles I don't think is anything to be ashamed of at all particularly when Paul Nichols continuously said Denman 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 is the horse that I would compare this horse is the race horse I'd compare him to uh, so up to three miles over hurdles should suit um, this time he'll be in John Dance's colours uh, which is pretty cool. And I know John is very excited about the step up and trip as well. They could have put him away, but they've decided to come here. So he's a short price favorite, deservedly so, and he's going to take all the beating, Paul. Uh, yeah, I think he will. I think it's quite simple this race, really. I think he's uh, got a good bit in hand, to be honest. I think we've got the placed horses from uh, the Albert Bartlers that also turn up Oscar Elite and Street to Doy, and obviously they've got the, the proven stamina in the book. Um, but for me, the Ballymore was much, uh, much a deeper race, um, and I think stepping up in trip um, was certainly a help. Brave man's game. I thought when he won the Challow, and even when he won the time before at Newbury, I thought he looked like um, by the end of the season he probably would won three miles, uh, and that's how it's transpired. It's actually followed a similar path to Champ, who won this race in 2019. He won the Challow before finishing placed in the Ballymore. I think stepping up in trip, um, as we said. Uh, will bring about further improvement in terms of him again I touched him on the start of the show he's had he's had, had his five runs over hurdles before then did come before Christmas so he's only had the one run um, since the 29th of December so I'm hoping um, that he'll be able to perform up to the same level and if he does uh, I think he'll take plenty of beating to be honest yeah I'm with you Kate you in agreement yeah, definitely in agreement here because, I mean, Brave Fans Game, he is an interesting horse who he just fascinates me because I've talked a lot about his style of jumping this season and the fact that he prefers to pop his hurdles, which for a big horse who gallops out well between his hurdles is interesting and different to see. But it was something I noticed even more so when watching his shallow hurdle win back because after he pulled up after the line, he was so scratchy in his movement. He did wonder if he actually you know, was the best mover. And then watching the race back, it made sense and why he preferred popping his hurdles and getting in tight. And it was something that both actually Paul and I did comment on on a previous show that because of his style of jumping, we would want to see him up to trip well, as, as one of the reasons. And that's exactly what he is getting here. He's the perfect track for him to try it for a first time too. It's flat, left-handed, better ground for him, which should help his jumping as well if he is on a slightly longer stride then he's really not going to be overly stretching himself on any sort of deep ground. And there's just an awful lot to like about his chances here. And to be fair, he ran as well as I thought he, well, could have been expected behind Bob Ollinger and Gail de Menil in the Ballymore. And the way that he shapes throughout his races does suggest that he wants further. And I think by the way he was ridden in the Ballymore, connections have also had a step up in trip in mind for him for a while. But it's just been a natural progression for him to get to this point. So I do also agree that he's going to take all the beating, but 
if you wanted anything at a bigger price, we following him home or each way play was would be Midnight River for me. Uh, he's just got such good form to his name on all of his starts this season, including finishing second in the Ballymore trial at Cheltenham in October, finishing fourth in the Grade 2 Leamington Novices Hurdle at Warwick, where the form has worked out brilliantly, uh, before beating Galley Hill, who is a shorter price, well, about the same sort of price as him mm-hmm. here, last time out in Alaska, when giving back Galley Hill £3. So now that they're running off of level weights here, Midnight River just looks the each way angle into this race for me, but Brave Man's game to, for the win. I wonder if the skeleton horses are going to pay the price for being so busy all season and now that we've come to the spring, it might not necessarily benefit them. Uh, That's the way it played out with Chamblou. We'll see, though. We'll see. Um, So Midnight River is the one for the exact uh, for Kate Tracy. Now, uh, this is not a case of pens and paper at the ready. This is a case of uh, go to the notes app on your phone and... uh, Let's take some notes here because the gravy's coming. Now, Paul, I can't give you prices because these pesky bookies can't be bothered to price the races up. That or they know that you're about to unleash hell and they're just terrified and they want to know what you're going to say first before they actually give prices. So, bookending the card on Friday, opening race and last race, you have got gravy for us. Tell us, my man. Uh, yeah, just a couple of horses I like. I wouldn't big it up that much with two twenty-two runner handicap full field. So uh, pressure on there, man. Thanks for that. <laughs> no problem, my, my friend. No problem. I'm always here for you. <laughs> anyone, anyone who follows my work will know that I'm an advocate of backing novices, especially this time of year in open handicap company. And just a couple who I like the look of in the opener. Um, a horse called Solwater One, trained by Neil Mulholland. Uh, his form wouldn't be anything outstanding at this stage, and I certainly wouldn't um, have you thinking he's chucked in off or anything like that off a mark of 134, but the way he travels through his races um, would have you believe that a strongly run race on decent ground at around two and a half miles could see him to really good effect, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him run. He had his third run over hurdles at Huntingdon in a very weak race during the festival week, so he, he might well have gone under the radar. Uh, if you go back enough to his bumper run, Last season, he ran just the once. He actually split Asker Honeybee, who's a fair horse of Fergal O'Brien, and Midnight River, who uh, Case has just touched upon there. He finished just in front of him in a decent bumper at Weatherby. Um, a race that's worked out well. He's been kept fairly low-key. won really impressively on decent ground at Doncaster, first time out, so over two miles, um, where he showed a decent turn of foot and stayed on strongly. Uh, since then, he's finished second at Exeter, and as I said, won a Huntingdon. And I just think... And I seen him win a hunting, then I thought I had this race in mind for him. So um, I had my eye on the declarations this morning. It took Neil long enough to put him in, but he finally he finally uh, put him in there. So I was glad to see. So he'd be one of interest in the opener and in the concluding race, which just is just to say by the way, just either. just to confirm his name because you slightly faded out there uh, as you were saying it. Sorry, it's Solwater one in the one forty five for Neil Mulholland. And don't, don't um, keep us waiting, don't keep us waiting. I'm going, I'm going, moving on to the last race, which is the conditional jockey and amateur riders race, which has switched. It used to be the final race on the Saturday. It is now the final race on day two. Uh, there's a couple in here. There's a, there's a couple of J.P. McManor horses who look potentially uh, well-treated, one being top trained in front. But I think he will need to jump better. He's not a selection. He'll need to jump better in this company of the thoughts. The one I like is Ollie Murphy's Copperless. Um, who runs off a mark of 123. He went up just £6 um, for winning rather cosily at Taunton recently. I think he would have won with a fair bit more in hand had he um, got a clear run, but he swept around the outside and was only shaken up to win by a length. I thought he had, he had he was value for a good bit more than that. He's only had the three runs over hurdles himself. So again, both of these horses, you, you, you're battling against a little bit of inexperience, but I think both of them are totally unexposed and open to considerable improvements. At the start of the season, um, Coppola's chased home, Stoner's choice, who's had a run under his belt. He's now rated 143 after his most recent run win at Ascot. So, um, And then he beats a horse called Hooper in October. He's won his last twice, his last two starts, sorry, for Nicky Henderson. Um, he's obviously had a break since then come back with that taunt win so expect him to step up he's got a really nice pedigree um, and I think he can go well he's ridden by Lewis Stones 
who, if listeners aren't aware of, he's one of um, Ollie's conditionals and he's he's a local lad, Evertonian, so it'll be a big day for Lewis. So, uh, <laughs> oi, oi. I hope for him it goes well. No, he's a, he's a good lad, Lewis, um, and a good rider. He rode a nice horse. Again, at the same hunting the meeting, actually, at Saltwater One, he won on a nice bump horse for Ollie called Washington and Tim Sider. Um, so it'll be a big day for Lewis getting to ride at the Grand National meeting. So I hope all goes well for him, but I expect a big run from Coppolis. Pretty obvious the handicapper of the day that I shall be backing on Friday to Final Fallen Podcast listeners. And that is Leon Cavello with the mighty Fergus Gillard on board who shall gallop them into submission and win. David Pipe's horses are running in tremendous form and uh, he was very much looking forward to running him at Cheltenham and I thought he ran fine in the Martin Pipe but we might get a decent price on him on, on the day but it's Paul is the man you want to listen to. Before we get Kate and Paul's best bets and uh, also Paul's picks for the Grand National. That's to come as well. Final Fallen Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Looking to bring pool betting back to the masses with better value, brilliant bets, and the slick new app. You can also go to tote.co.uk. With the new Tote guarantee, you'll never be paid less than SP on win bets. And of course, if the pool pays more, you'll get the bigger price. It's never been easier to place your favorite bets online, including the Play Spot and Scoop 6, as well as the brand new Tote Survivor, where the aim of the game is to be the last person standing. Don't forget the exactors and the trifectors that can pay so much more particularly with the big pools we're going to see at entry hopefully if you haven't got your account yet join tote today and enjoy a risk-free bet on any of the tote pools terms and conditions apply tote.co.uk for more information uh, your grand national bets Paul, are you someone who is like me and takes a couple of swings, and by a couple I mean four, or are you just one and done with the Grand National? Uh, yeah, usually. And um, as a rarity, I've actually backed all Santi Post this year, which I think is the first time I can remember doing so. Oh. I backed Burroughs Saints at the start of the season, and I backed and I backed them again after he was beaten for the second time in a Galmoy hurdle because he was pushed out to 33 to 1, which um, was ridiculous, by the way. So. Yeah, I, I just thought you could have forgiven any horse on, on that ground that day because it was horrendous. Horrible. Um, probably, would, probably would have liked to have seen him have a slightly more positive season, but say first time out, I think he needed the run and that run in the Galmoy hurdle, say you could forgive any horse on that ground um, when obviously the big target was this race, so you wouldn't want to be getting bottomed. Uh, probably would have liked to have seen him beat Nacapella Bourgeois, getting weight in the Bobby Joe chase last time, but he travelled really well. Um, and it's just ever since he won the Irish National to be honest I thought he looked um, the ideal type for entry the one slight concern is he does shift a little bit to his right um, at times but um, I think he'd be buried up the inside and take the brave man's route and on the better ground I think he's been crying out for some better ground he hasn't really had any since he won that Irish National and I think back on some nicer ground I think he will travel really well for a long long way in the race Kate who are you backing in the Grand National? Well I mean Cloth Cap, yes, he is short at the head of the market, especially for a Grand National favourite, but he is the the most well-in horse <laughs> we've seen for a long time. I mean, if the rates were if the weights were reevaluated today, he'd have a stone in well, he'd be carrying a stone more. So naturally that does make him the horse to beat. The way he jumps, he's very much like Tiger Roll. He doesn't expend any extra energy through the air over the fences. He's low and efficient and clever, and there's just everything to like about him we know that the better ground is key to him that's hopefully what he's still going to get for all that the national course is reading at least from the clerk of the course is obviously going to be softer and more watered and selectively watered more so than the mild may course so but the one who i did like at the bigger price though uh is kimberlite candy because i wanted to back him in last year's national and He's done nothing for the we haven't really seen him in the interim to make you want to desert him this time around because I wanted to side of him last year after his 10-length win over Captain Chaos in the classic chase then at Warwick in 2020. And in that win, I just thought he looked every bit of Grand National winner to me and especially considering he had finished second in the Beecher on his debut over the National Fences. And we've only seen him once since that classic chase win, but again, he finished second in the Beecher. And again, he jumped well throughout the race. It looked like a perfect run to set him up for another go at the Grand National itself. And he has a nice racing weight for the race. And I mean, he probably could do with a bit more rain. That would probably be ideal for him. Say Tom Lacey would, do, would have been doing a few rain dances. 
and thought it might have come for him. But that would have only enhanced his chances. So don't be put off if that does come for him. And he's clearly been trained with this race as his main target all season. So at a bigger price away from Clough Cap, it would be Kimberlite Candy. I'd love to pack Philly on Rouge, but I'm not that insane. Uh, or am I? Manila Times, I think, is really interesting, but Borough Saints has been on my mind for this race for so long, and uh, I can't disagree with Paul at all on that. I think it, I think he's a, a solid selection. Uh, that's it. Kate Tracy, pleasure as always. Uh, you'll be back for both reviews, because we will be reviewing Ferry House and Daintree together, comparing and contrasting. See what we're doing there. Uh, so looking forward to that. Really looking forward to that. Speak to you then. Paul Ferguson, again, your work with Weatherbees is available now. How, again, can Final Forum Podcast listeners access your work for free? Uh, yeah, the best the best way to find it is look on Twitter at the Veterans handle. Um, but as you've said, I'll retweet it again later. And there's also a link just if you just want to, if you've already seen, uh, if you've already got the Cheltenham Guide, you can just uh, read the updated part of the, of the entry guide, which I've written. Nice. And uh, also, the Flat Horses to Follow 2021 is available now, featuring content from Mr. Paul Ferguson. Uh, The promo code for that, because you know you want it, there's over 40 winners that are ready and waiting to be put into your tracker. Uh, There's also plenty of content like pedigree analysis. There's just gold content in there. It's a must-read. Our promo code is FLAT21. So it's lowercase flat21 numbers flat21 you're getting three pounds off whether you buy the digital edition like i do the print edition or the bundle where you get it on your tablet and in the good old book format it's entirely up to you three pounds off using the offer code flat21 that's flat21 and that's live now at weatherbeesshop.co.uk. Paul Ferguson, an absolute pleasure chatting to you. We're going to talk to you next week. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, will do. Good luck to everyone over the week. And uh, as you know, Kate's back on Monday with Jess Stafford. Um, Jamie Benson should be along for the ride as well. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. The gravy is there for you. It's up to you whether or not you want to go and take it. I know that I certainly am. Chat to you uh, with Andrew and Rory and our grand national final answers preview that's coming next until then god bless the final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by tote try tote today and get a risk-free bet on the pools